What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Blurted Out. Today, there will be no One Piece discussion because there is no new chapter. We are on break this week. So we're going to be talking about some other One Piece topics, mainly just some stuff from Twitter and uh, the top 50 that Cole did. And then I also got the dangers in my heart for a topic. I ended up finishing season one. And then the main topic is going to be actually has been hotel because the season one has completed. I watched all the episodes and I got to talk about it. Of course, if you haven't finished the latest in any of those topics, please know that there will be spoilers ahead. Spoilers. Now, first off, we got to talk about the top 50 that Cole did for One Piece. Now, I don't call myself an adamant power scaler, but I do like to partake whenever it comes up. And so I was watching the, the top 50, or at least glimpses and pieces because it lasted 12 hours. And there's no way I could sit there and watch it for 12 hours. But I came back in, checked on everybody's lists here now. And the biggest thing I want to talk about is how the portrayal of characters really ends up diminishing their their spot on the list because i remember a time where dragon used to be top one across the board everyone thought that dragon was the strongest character in one piece and personally i never really gave too much to that honestly i still don't think dragon is i don't even have dragon top five he might might make top 10 I would say probably top 15 for sure, maybe top 10, but I don't know. He got to do something for me. But the fact that Kaido, of all people, is is dropping to like five, six on the list. Some people are putting like, I don't know, people have Luffy above Kaido, which I think Wano did a lot to really mess up how power scaling is viewed. Because people see that end punch we'll see basically luffy beating kaido and that automatically makes luffy stronger than kaido now i feel like it makes sense that kaido is still if not the strongest character top two i will give top two at most i think he should still be number one because we can't forget kaido fought like eight nine people and he fought Luffy about four times before Luffy went gear five. And then he fought gear five Luffy. He did all that. He ran a gauntlet of strong people. The strongest people that showed up in Wano. He fought them all. The only thing he didn't do was fight Big Mom that day. Everyone else, he scrapped hands with. And he was never like on the, the losing side of a fight. Like against the scabbards, he was still on top. Against the worst generation, like all five. They were getting hits in, but he wasn't going down. Zoro landed a scar that would last forever. Didn't even drop to his knees. Not to mention how many times he tangled with Luffy and like all of Luffy's level ups during that fight. Luffy started using Ryo. He started using Conqueror's coating. He started combining those. Man was going crazy in the duffel bag. Still wasn't bringing Kaido down. Got knocked out like three times. Got thrown off Onigashima. Got to take a break, come back, and still not beat Kaido. He had to go gear five, and even gear five wasn't just one shot in Kaido. So the fact that people have 
Luffy above Kaido makes no sense. I understand that Shanks' top one is the pretty much strongest guess right now. Just about everyone's subscribing to the, the Shanks is the strongest in the verse. And I'm not mad at it. I still put Shanks at, I don't know, three at worst. I'll give him three at worst. I'm not putting him at one. I think Kaido still stays as number one until I see someone be that offensively gifted as Kaido is. Other things are, I see a lot of Blackbeard's crew on the list. And I, for one, think all of Blackbeard's crew is trash. I'm not going to lie. Burgess, garbage. Shiryu, garbage. Like, Lafitte and Doc Q, I think, have more stake in being stronger characters than Burgess and Shiryu. Shiryu, he hasn't done anything. All, all he does is he has the invisible fruit. And I mean, he cut some guards and then fell down. Those are his feats. That's all he's got. Most of his, like, portrayal of strength comes from them comparing him to Magellan. Which is a strong comparison, don't get me wrong, but Magellan's not, like, top 30. So how was Shiryu top 30? I mean, I feel like Vista would be a good battle for Shiryu. And even then, I have Vista winning over Shiryu. But, I mean, lists are subjective. Like, everyone has their own opinion on who's stronger, who's weaker, who goes where, when, why, all that stuff. So, we, even even if we disagree, we support all the lists. Shout out to Hime, who is a content creator that I, I really hadn't known about until uh, I saw some connection tweets of Cole and stuff like that. But, she had ulti. One, she had ulti on the list. Two, she had ulti above Katakuri. So, we stand Hime. If you don't subscribe to her, go subscribe to her now. Follow her on Twitter. We stand. Because ever since Wano, I have been saying that ulti put in so much work compared to everyone else on Wano. Look at the Toby Robo. Like, they have terrible track records. They got hyped up just to be pretty much failures, except ulti. Ulti fought... I'm not going to say a gauntlet like Kaido did, but she fought a lot of people. She took hits from Big Mom. She took hits from Luffy. She took hits from Yamato. She took hits from Nami. And she kept getting back up. Big Mom hit her with a combined attack of her, all three of her strongest homies. Got back up. We cannot sleep on Ulti. She deserves to be on that list more than anybody in the Beast Pirates besides, like, Kaido and his top three. It's like Kaido, the Calamities, Ulti. That's that's the hierarchy right there. I actually have a list of my own that I probably need to update a little bit. I made it a couple weeks ago, so the chapters have changed some things. I probably need to make some updates, but I'll probably do an episode on that in the near future. Now let's talk about the dangers in my heart. So I finished season one, and it didn't quite end the way I wanted it to. But I'm okay with it because I feel like the way I expected it to end was a bit above the, the level of these characters. Because I think these characters are still in the stages of really figuring out what it means to like one another. And to, to understand what all comes with that. So to expect them to like really be together by the end of the series, I think is, or by the end of the season, I think is a little, it's a little of an overestimation. I think how they ended it was really nice. Basically, they made 
progress in accepting each other but they didn't really step into new new territory like i imagine when season two starts their interactions are going to be very similar to season one but they have like a stronger bond by the end of season one because season one basically ends with them hugging each other which is a huge step because it's it's physical interaction that for one they're probably not used to it at all so to be able to kind of muster up the courage to do it at the end of the season i think is really big for them and i think what we're going to see in season two is a lot more moments like that where they're far less inhibited by you know just the the fear of not knowing what's next i think they're more welcoming to getting to know each other which is gonna blossom into more things now season two is still airing so i'm probably gonna let it finish before i watch it just so i can like binge through the whole thing but i'm very happy with season one and i'm i'm super excited for season two i'm, I'm so ready for it now to the main topic has been hotel if you are not familiar with has been hotel there is a pilot on youtube that came out uh, about four years ago it is a creation by vivzy pop on youtube basically it started as this single 30 minute pilot um and through a lot of kind of hard work and trying they got this youtube animated cartoon pilot into a real show that's on amazon prime now and that has a, a full season i believe season two is in the works and it's something that i've been excited about since i watched the pilot uh you know four years ago now a basis of the show is we are set in pride ring the main character is lucifer's daughter charlie charlie morningstar she is trying to rehabilitate sinners because every year there is a major exorcism in which tons and tons of sinners are exercised they're killed off so she has an idea start a hotel in which people can come and basically rehabilitate so whatever their their sins are they would come to this hotel they would cut out their sins and they would basically work their way to be a better person so that instead of being exercised they can ascend to heaven that is her goal that's her her passion and that's the motivation of the entire show now for the pilot when she first starts this hotel you know she's advertising it. she's going on tv she's trying to get the word out everyone thinks it's a joke she has like her own cast of friends that work with her but everyone outside of that thinks that what she's doing is a joke and when she's basically backed up against the wall some random demon shows up called the radio demon comes in says he wants to help out now the radio demon is apparently an overlord who showed up one day and just started wiping out all the old overlords and the overlords are kind of the, the people who rule over the smaller souls like there is a hierarchy to the the universe here and the the overlords aren't like super high you know you have overlords you have seven daily sins you have lucifer himself you have charlie but the overlords still wield power against like a good portion of the population so the radio demon who's also named alistair comes in here wipes them all out and basically assumes his place as 
one of the stronger overlords. And his goal is, as he says, he wants to watch people basically try and fail to rehabilitate. That's that's on the surface. Now, one of the things that I really like about this show and what it's kind of cultivated is that there is a lot of theory crafting to be done. And when we move to the, the series itself, a lot more of that comes out. Because when the series starts, we actually jump a week ahead. And we, we get into this motion of the characters have kind of been interacting for a week. And they've settled into their spots. Now, the series itself is set up with the idea that it's not necessarily a strict musical. But every episode has musical numbers. So think of it like Phineas and Ferb, where you have the mainline show. And you have two songs per show. And I'm going to tell you right now, those songs go hard. Like, it's not an exaggeration to say that just about each song they have is a banger in some way. There's probably one, maybe two songs I don't care for, but they're still good songs. I just, they're not my favorites. And they have like an all-star voice cast too. They have Stephanie Beatrix, who's Rosa in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They have Keith David, who's Keith David. And actually, the voice of Charlie, Erica Henningsen, she can sing. I'm telling you, she is killing in all of Charlie's songs. Like, there are just runs in some of the songs that Charlie has that are just god tier. It's insane. If I had to do a top three for the songs, Respectless would be number one. Ready for This would be number two. And I might have Loser Baby at number three. And, and of course, you're not going to know what these songs are until you either watch the show or they come up on YouTube. But they are really strong songs. Like, a lot of these songs are playlist-worthy. But to get more into the show, uh, the, the series itself kind of takes a leap into what Charlie's trying to do in rehabilitation. And it basically gives us a time frame. Because normally, the exorcism is every year. They end up moving it six months. So it's like, we're going to cut the time in half. We're coming back to wipe people out. And we get introduced to a lot more characters like a lot of characters in heaven. We get introduced to Adam, who is the first human soul in heaven. We get introduced to Seraphims. We have Sarah and Emily. And they give us a much broader view of heaven, which is, interestingly enough, like the, the antagonist of the series. We also get more in-depth characters centered around Charlie. We get Lucifer, her dad, who... In the, the series prior, or in, or in the pilot prior, Charlie's parents aren't really in the picture. In the pilot, she calls her mom to no answer, and it's been like seven years since they last talked. And we get that confirmation in the series that basically she hasn't really talked to her mom. Her dad tends to call her, but it's only when he kind of needs something. So it kind of feels empty when he calls. So Charlie's really doing this kind of just on her own. Like, she doesn't have the backing of anybody. She doesn't have the support of anybody major. That's kind of what Alistair is there for. Like, if Alistair wasn't there, there really wouldn't be anything circulating around this hotel because no one really cares. And the, the season does a good job of focusing on each character and kind of fleshing them out a little bit because the pilot definitely didn't give us enough time for each character. But, I mean, we get more of Husk, we get more of Angel Dust, we get more of Alistair. And we get so many new characters. Like, so my, my favorite character in this series is Alistair. Because he 
he fits the criteria of characters that always catch my interest, which is that they're really strong and really mysterious. Alistair fits those to a T, because for some reason, he's stupid strong. And it's, it's a very weird perspective because in the pilot itself, Alistair comes off as one of the strongest characters in the show. When you watch the series, you kind of get a glimpse at what it means to be powerful and kind of what that hierarchy is. Because in reality, Charlie, who's the main character and kind of relies on Alistair and is more timid and doesn't really show off anything, she's stronger than Alistair. She's stronger than probably 99% of the characters in the show. Like she's, I mean, she's Lucifer's daughter. And speaking of Lucifer, we actually get him in the show. And like just off one episode, Lucifer is my second favorite character. That guy is fantastic because he, he's portrayed as kind of this very disconnected, very uncaring dad in the fact that, you know, he doesn't show up. He only calls Charlie when he needs something. He doesn't seem supportive. But when they actually bring him in, he he just breaks down all those those theories and thoughts you had about him in the best way possible. Because basically, he's just a depressed, lonely dad. And it's it's really funny because he's kind of like in the dirt about things when he's basically a king. Like he's a ruler. He rules the entire pride ring. And in fact, he is probably the strongest character in the show, considering all of the angels are stronger than demons. In in general, angels are stronger than demons, I should say. Not every angel is stronger than every demon, but in general, the angels are stronger. Lucifer is a fallen angel, fallen seraphim, and I think the highest seraphim before he fell. So he's got all the power of a seraphim plus demon powers combined. He's the strongest character in the show, bar none. But he is so, like, chill and goofy and just... Imagine if Goofy was just, like, a god-king ruler, but also just Goofy. Like, that's kind of what Lucifer is. And it, it works so well. I absolutely love it. I need more of him in the show. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to fighting and, like, more combat oriented stuff i'm assuming they're gonna find a reason to keep him out of it because dude's broken dude beats anybody else so there's no reason to have a fight if you're just gonna call him lucifer and i think primarily that's what alistair is for because alistair is an overlord and technically on the the lower rung of like the the strong character tier list but he's stronger than the average overlord and I'm pretty sure, based on the way the show goes, he's nerfed right now. So he has the potential to, I wouldn't say rival Charlie. I don't think he's going to end up up there. But I think he could show up dancing around the, the Goetia 7 Daily Sins level. Possibly. Possibly. I would like to see that. But there's just so much to the show, like... I mean, getting to know characters is one thing, but each of the characters has such a strong kind of like story to them that you can you can choose a character to be like, this is my favorite, and you're going to get something out of it. Like you can choose Angel Dust, 
and you're going to get something out of his story. You can choose Husk, you'll get something out of his story. You can choose Vaggy, you're going to get something out of her story. Like, there's so many good characters. And we're not even introduced to them all. Like, there's some tertiary characters that show up that I think will essentially play bigger roles later. But just, they don't fit into the metric of Season 1. They'll probably be Season 2, Season 3, however long it goes. Speaking of characters that will probably be bigger in Season 2, the there is a group called the V's, which are three overlords, Vox, Valentino, and Velvet. They're supposed to be the primary antagonists of Season 2, considering that, you know, Season 1 ended the way it did. Now, I've been interested in Vox since the pilot solely because i like his design and they said that he was one of alistair's enemies so i was like all right vox has gained my attention now with the season he has a lot more role like he's actively going against alistair and i just i i really enjoy his character design in the same way i enjoy alistair's like alistair has the the sound effects of a radio whenever he talks kind of has the the old school timing like he'll have a, a clap track record he'll just have things play like he it, it mimics old time radio while vox kind of mimics tv he'll have a laugh track he'll have you know like audience ooh ah things like that but the thing i love about both of these characters is that when they get angry the the effect kind of kicks in extra hard so like you'll you'll hear either like a, a deer sound or you'll hear some kind of harsh radio static with Alistair. And then with Vox, Vox's voice gets this, this tinge that just shouts mind control. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, but that when you hear it, you'd be like, that sounds like mind control. It's kind of like a, a an echoey old TV kind of sound. It's It's really good. Uh, Valentino is trash. We don't talk about Valentino. We want him out of the show. Velvet is probably my third favorite character. So we get Alistair, you got Lucifer, and you got Velvet. But I, I really like where they're going with Velvet because they're building a... They're building the branches of the Vs. So you have Vox, who's kind of the, the face, and I want to say the overall leader you have valentino who i don't really know what he does i don't really care i don't want him to be part of it but you have velvet who's kind of like the background brains to everything like she low-key keeps things in line with valentino and vox she's probably playing like the sane man character of the group but also i just i love her personality her design is amazing everything about her is just great but like i was saying before the thing I really like about this show is that it spawns theory crafting. And as a One Piece fan, you know I love to craft theories. The biggest one right now being, who is Alistair tied to? Because the way it works, the reason the overlords are overlords is because they, they make deals with people. And they make deals for souls. The more souls you kind of have deals with, you have control over, the stronger you are. And the relationship between, say, like, Valentino and Angel Dust, Husk and Alistair is that Valentino and Alistair have their souls, which gives them dominion over them, pretty much. Now, each contract could have, like, specifications, but the gist of it is they have your soul. In Season 1, we find out that somebody 
as Alistair's soul. Now, that somebody has to be someone on the high tier. It ain't gonna be just a nobody. It's gotta be someone up there. And I think it's Lilith. And a lot of people think it's Lilith. Now, what deal he would have made with Lilith, I have no idea. But the fact is, Lilith and Alistair disappeared from Pride Ring seven years ago. So they both left the picture at the same time. Now, Alistair came back, hasn't told anyone where he was, didn't say anything to anybody, just showed up, started acting like everything was normal. By the end of the season, he mentions that he needs to clip his wings so he can pull the strings. So what that means is that, or at least what I interpret it to mean, is that whoever is pulling his strings is holding back his power for some reason. And what he's trying to do is cut that contract so he can be at full power. Because he wants to handle some things and he can't do it while he's got this contract holding above his head. That's definitely something we're going to be seeing more about because the show does a lot to highlight Alistair as a prominent main character. Like, the show is clearly about Charlie and what she's trying to do with rehabilitating sinners. But if there was like a strong subplot or even a a co-main plot, it would be Alistair. Just Alistair. Alistair against the V's, Alistair and whatever backstory he has, it's just Alistair. Long story short, if you're looking for a really fun, interesting, animated show, check out Has Been Hotel. Now, it talks about a lot of adult topics that are pretty sensitive to some people, so if you're not into that kind of stuff, I wouldn't bother with it. It's probably not good to show kids. You do what you want, but I enjoy the show. And I think it's hilarious. The music is fantastic. The, the voice acting is fantastic. It's just fantastic all around. Give it a shot. If you don't like it, you wasted, what, 30 minutes to an hour. The pilot is on Vimsy's channel on YouTube. And the... I think actually the first episode of the season is on her channel as well as the Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime has been like pumping out all kinds of videos for Hasbin Hotel. Like every song has a sing-along. They have the first episode on YouTube. They have like random moments on YouTube. They they went like above and beyond to advertise this show. So I think it's at least worth a watch. If you don't like it after two episodes, you know, move on to something else. Honestly, I would say go to episode, watch the pilot, go to episode three. If you don't like it by the end of episode three, move on to something else. And I say that because episode three has my favorite song. If you don't like it after that song, then I don't know what to tell you. That is going to do it for this episode. We'll be back on track with a chapter next week. And we might have a new anime update. If not, I might be talking about some of the games I'm playing. Uh, I recently got... I got both Final Fantasy VII Final Fantasy XVI. I'm going to try those out. See how those go. See which one I'm interested in completing first. And I also got Persona 3 Reloaded. Haven't busted that one open yet. But that will be happening soon. But if you guys check out Hasbun Hotel. Tell me who your favorite characters are. And or... What your favorite song is. I gotta know. Catch y'all in the next one.